Wow, what a year this has been. I've spoken with quality professionals and business leaders who are consultants, work in pharmaceuticals, manufacturing, academia, customer experience, hospitality, and EDI campaigners. My conversations hosted people from Lebanon, UK, the US, Norway, the Caribbean, Canada, and Czech Republic. And I had a good mix of men and women join me as guests. I've learned a lot, increased my reading book lists, and got inspired by the various success stories. I hope you did too. Here are the highlights. But once you can convince and influence, um, you know, that, you know, certain types of individuals in terms of, you know, what we can bring and show the value of that. And then it's not noticed, if you like, that is just powerful. And I think using that experiences over my career to show that quality as an example can bring so much more than just having a cert on the wall. Um, you know, we're here to make a difference and a positive difference. And we've got a toolbox that we can select to bring that into the mix. I think that for me is a big thing. I also think growing talent. Now I've come to the point in my career where, you know, I've learned quite a lot and obviously I want to keep learning as I go on, but sharing that experience with others and seeing them thrive is a fantastic self-satisfying thing to see and do, whether it be through volunteering, whether it be through my work. So for example, part of where my current role is, is to develop auditors. Now, it was, you know, we decided as part of our strategy for that, that, you know, we weren't just going to go out and recruit a bunch of audit professionals, for example, we would actually develop within and we seat volunteers across the business. Um, we're now up to 25, I think, at the latest count on wow. our kind of team um, that's come forward because they want to learn a new skill. And these are engineers, project managers, um, HR, finance, and they all bring a unique um, skill set to the table. And the fact that they're curious, and I'm using that word curiosity because that's an auditor's trait I truly believe in, they come forward to learn, but because they've got different um, experiences across the business, they're going to add immediate value. And I started in the pharmaceutical industry right from the production floor, where I have learned a lot from um, formulation uh, to designing a product, designing a process, uh, the equipment used, how to uh, set a quality uh, management system within the pharmaceutical company. Then I advanced uh, in my career to uh, establish a department in my company called Technical Services and Product Development. Uh, and I was uh, the person in charge to manage, coordinate all activities related to the development of new business opportunities related to drugs, to generics, uh, how to enhance them, how to develop, them, uh, to develop uh, new uh, generics, how to optimize as well the existing processes to have cost uh, efficiency uh, outcomes within the pharmaceutical industry. And uh, I used the knowledge I gained from the good manufacturing practices, from the pharmaceutical sciences, uh, where I um, implemented what we call the quality by design processes, uh, it's an approach in the product and process development in the pharmaceutical 
pharmaceutical industry. So I planned, I managed successful phases of uh, de developing new product, the technical transfer with the uh, multinational companies that we were partnering uh, with them in Lebanon. So I I was involved in the pre-formulation and the scale up and the registration of new drugs, preparing the documentation related. I was involved as well in the qualification of the equipment and the processes uh, because we have passed through many renovation phases. You know, the regulation uh, regulations kept on evolving and we have to follow those new standards if we wanted really to have quality products in the market. We need to maintain uh, the quality of our product in the, in the market. What did, so, I mean, apart from, you know, what did I learn? I think I learned two, um, two, three things. The first was, you know, ask better questions. Ask mm -hmm. better questions of curiosity to really, you know, and what else questions and what else and, and is there anything else and so on and so forth. One of the things I did not do is I did not go to Gemba. And what I mean by that is I didn't go and look at the vans. And that now... You know, I, it is something that I would just say to everybody, go, go and look at something, anything in action and just watch for a little while first. And had I done that, I would have seen the engineers loading up their vans on Monday morning and I've gone, how long is that ladder? It would have, you know, I would have realised that I had something I I wasn't briefed on and that I needed to be aware of. So, um, so that was my second learning. And my third learning was pilot. You know, pilot, I could have just got one van. I could have stopped one van on a Friday and started it on a Monday and only had one failure. And that would have been great because that would have been a learning and I and we would have all gone, oh, I'm glad we tried that. Um, and that, you know, is the is the, the heart of PDSA, is it not? You mm -hmm. know, test, small scale. Yeah, that, that was a, that was a big learning for me. I would have to say it is that year of learning through the LIMSI that um, it's kind of hard to explain to somebody who hasn't been through it, aside from you can obviously sense my excitement. And, um, you know, I still, am, and I graduated in 2015 from that course. I still talk about it like it was last week, right, that I just graduated because there were just so many eye-opening moments and having a global community in a room um, or online, which we did see, again, we would meet each month online and every six months we met in person for that year. So we actually physically met three times at the kickoff, six months later, we went to headquarters. And then six months later, we went to the next, you know, they have these giant um, seminars and conferences uh, we met. And that's where we graduated, which happened to be in Orlando, Florida, Disney World. I began my professional journey immediately after high school, working as a mechanic, at my father's textile while pursuing my bachelor degree. And to be honest, I enjoyed repairing and building machines and so on. Then I jumped into the sales department and the only training I remember I got was keep on your smile. I said like, what the, how would my smile conclude a sale in business with business to business customers? And the answer was, a genuine smile is a free ticket to every one person's heart. So I started the new job and found it more fun to work with people. I learned the importance of customers' interactions, listening to their needs and market needs, and conveying the message to the production team. 
A success story that I would say is I, I didn't always listen to everyone that tried to advise me. Um, because when you try to please others as to where they think you should go in your career based on your fortes, sometimes they can skew you to where your passion may be or may lie. Um, I was told at an early age, you're extremely sociable, you love languages, you should be in sales. I just didn't really find my purpose in sales, um, meaning, I mean, there's always purpose, right? I just didn't feel that fulfilled if my purpose was mm -hmm. just in sales, selling a product, right? Um, I am, when I become very passionate about anything, I I definitely, I'm a, I'm a natural salesperson. I will sell what I believe is right and good, um, but I, I wanted my purpose to be stronger than that. I wanted to use my social skills for other things. So there was a bumpy time in my young career where I just, I, I was trying to listen to everyone, but really trying to focus. So my success story that I, I would say I would like to share here is that I listened to my inner self. I still uh, uh, captured all the great feedback that people were telling me, you know, my seniors, my mentors, my professors, but I listened to myself. And somebody said to me, it's not good to be a chameleon, a jack of all trades and a master of none. And in my head, something said to me, that's wrong. It's good to be a master of many instead of, you know, just focusing on one thing. Cause I am many things. I am not one title. I'm not one thing. So what I would share here that hopefully anyone listening to this can benefit implement is listen to yourself, find your niche, concentrate in that area and everything kind of tends to follow after that. So the foreign office had a policy that says that uh, the the uh, the core of the foreign office, the, the British diplomats. So foreign office at the moment, when I was there, it had about fifteen thousand British employees. The 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 diplomatic corps that goes off to different posts around the world, uh, and then uh, in addition, they employ local staff to provide all the services and so on in the embassy and what have you. The diplomatic corps, the British officers, have to change jobs every two or three years so that you don't become too comfortable in wherever you are posted and therefore can become exposed to corruption and so on and so forth, which means that everybody has to change jobs every two or three years to open up jobs for people who are coming back from posts and so on and so forth. For colleagues with disabilities who had in place reasonable adjustments who had to change jobs every two or three years. This could be problematic and also costly. If it meant that the colleague had in place reasonable adjustments, which meant that they had to have, for example, some uh, building work done to allow access for a, a wide wheelchair or for a particular piece of furniture or a particular piece of equipment or software and so on and so forth if they change jobs change where they were working then that potentially could involve a considerable sum of money mm -hmm. it also meant that the disabled colleague had to manage a new manager and new colleagues in talking about 
their disability, if they were willing and happy to talk about their, their disability, the Equality Act says that you, information about an individual's disability is confidential. So not every disabled person may necessarily wish to talk about their disability, but you are working with new colleagues and new manager, you have to manage that situation and that can be very exhausting. So I, together with the Disabled Staff Network, created a change of policy, which we presented to the board, which said that disabled members of staff who came up to the point where they had uh, finished their term at one job, had to move to another job. If they were happy in their job, if they were performing well in their job, if their line manager was happy for them to stay on, then there was no obligation for them to move jobs. And it's such a simple thing to put in place. And yet the ramifications of it were enormous. It saved the foreign office money because you didn't have to put in new reasonable adjustments where that person was moving to. It meant that the disabled person felt more confident, more happy to engage because they knew that what they were doing worked and that they were going to stay there for a longer period of time. It meant that the line manager, each time you get a new person reporting to you who is coming with a disability, the line manager may have a degree of anxiety about how that person is going to fit in, how they as a line manager are going to manage that person, and all of that was removed. Yeah, I think going back to the whole relational approach, it's difficult within leadership not to get sucked into the narrative that you have to be bolshy and um, uh, pointing the finger at, at those people that work with you. And it, and then you feel like you're swimming against the tide. And I've always struggled with that to make sure that I encourage when the pressure's on those people that are working with me. And not that long ago, about a year ago, I was working with someone that I was line managing and he was doing very well and I was trying to encourage him to um, support me more. So I was sending him, him out and saying, no, you're doing really well and having that relational approach. And it got to the point where I really wanted him permanently with me. And he said to me, I've actually accepted a job somewhere else for promotion. And he said to me, Rian, if you hadn't encouraged me so much, I wouldn't have had the confidence to go for that job. What I have seen to us called a professional is that we tend to implement a lot of corrective actions. But how regular do we come back to verify those corrective actions to know if they are effective enough? And that was one of my mind-blowing things that six months later, we could have examined those corrective actions to determine effectiveness. It worked, it did not. And if there are any areas that we could have improved on generally. And it was it was really inspiring. And it also converted some of our biggest naysayers into champions for the PMO. And we've really kept that attitude going. And I've implemented peer reviews of our tools, uh, created project templates with <laughs> not by myself, but with our teammates that have helped automate their work, custom-built processes for specific project teams, and 
and and really just involved the team members in creating what they need to succeed, not what I think they need to succeed. And that's what makes me smile is that we have been continuously reevaluating and improving. And because of this, we've become a valuable resource for the organization. And it's really all because we had the humility to admit that we were wrong and treat our teams like they are our customers. Well, to me, I think quality is the glue of organization. That means that you need to bring people together, let them talk together and agree together on the way forward. And if you want to meet the different departments and do the reviews with different departments and telling them what to do, well, it's a good thing to do. But you will save a lot of time if you bring the whole business units together, sit together in one day workshop, you will save half a year of work. And with that, we wrap up 2023. Thank you to each and every guest that joined me in the conversation. Thank you to all of our listeners. I'm your host, Rashad Issa. You've been listening to Rashad in Conversation. Have a festive season and see you in the new year.